morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you to a brand new series. We're entitling it Money Matters. As soon as you hear that word, uh, boy, there's a whole lot of emotions that respond because that's something that we love and we hate. We love to have it. We hate often to hear about it. Perhaps here in person, watching or listening online, as, as soon as you, your, your ears perked up and you heard the topic had to do in some form or fashion with money, you thought, oh, I knew it. All those churches talk about is money. We do receive offerings. Offerings do fund the ministry. But go take a look at the wealth of messages year after year. It's a small portion. We do preach and teach that from the Word of God. But maybe you hear that as a topic and, and your immediate thought is fear. You think, oh, we must be doing terrible as a church financially. We put those fears to rest. We've shared with you the simple truth and, and the honesty of where we've been year after year. And, and last year we had a tight year and we were asking you to faithfully give and help. And we shared with you the mighty financial miracle that came in at the end of our year. We shared that at our annual business meeting. And in fact, God has continued blessings financially this year. So I will say this, that the finances of this church have never been stronger. So it's not coming from an aspect of fear or red alert. Sometimes that's the, the best time to be able to share and to encourage because when it comes to money or finances, anything in that realm, it's not always the most comfortable topic to deal with. Many times people think, hey, it's my money. Don't you dare have anything to say about it. Well, the, the simple fact of the matter is this. Jesus said in Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in a sense, everything that we do with what we have is an interwoven issue with the spiritual. You see, money matters. It matters to you and to your family, right? I mean, wouldn't it be great? Just, just put your imagination hats on for a moment. Wouldn't it be great if everything in this world was free? It's not, by the way. You've all found that out pretty clearly. But wouldn't it be incredible if everything was free? Then money truly wouldn't matter. But money does matter. Money matters certainly to the church as well as needs are met and bills are met and ministry takes place and missionaries are supported. Money matters to God. It matters how we work for it, how we get it, how we keep it, how we use it and utilize it. Jesus spoke about and taught about money. Many of the parables deal with money or finances or something to that topic. In fact, more than many of the other topics combined. So in the study and in this series, this, this isn't necessarily a series all about giving, Though we'll touch on that in a later date. But it's looking at God's perspective on money, on finances, helping to equip us to handle it God's way before then we're challenged to give it God's way. So we'll be looking at what does God have to say and what's his perspective on topics like work or planning or debt or giving or contentment. 
That's a big issue. Because we always want more and more and more, and yet God has a lot to say about contentment. But first of all, today, understand that when it comes to money, stewardship matters. Now, both of those sometimes are buzzwords. We, we hear the word stewardship, and your, your ears perk up, and you think, oh, must be, a, must be a giving challenge, must be raising money for something. This is a stewardship campaign. How many of you have heard the, the term stewardship campaign over the years? Many have. So sometimes we hear that word stewardship, we think, ah, that's church ease for money, for giving. Stewardship... The definition of that, it's an obligation to manage the assets, affairs, or property of someone else. That's stewardship, to steward or to oversee. So as part of the topic of money mattering, understand this, stewardship and how we oversee things matter. Let's take a look at a, a handful of some principles from the Word of God, most that are going to be good reminders for us. First one is this. Understand that God created everything. Sometimes that's a challenge because we like to take credit for stuff. We made it and we built it and we fashioned it and we created it. But God created everything. Certainly the very first book of the Bible, very first chapter of the Bible, very first verse of the Bible is what? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created? Yes, God created the heavens and the earth. God has created everything. It can sometimes slip past us. Because we see so many things that mankind has made, produced, created, and built, but God has created everything. If we're not careful, we can tend to ignore him as the creator, as the one who oversees everything. Every single little grain of sand, every little blade of grass. I mean, take a look. We've got just a handful of blades of grass out on our property. On all of these acres, imagine how many little blades of grass. And then think about that in the world. Think about all of the trees. Think about all the little, you know, grains of sand. Everything has been created by God, you and me included. It's good to remember, as we're starting this overarching topic and series, this isn't the nitty-gritty of money and finances, though we'll, we'll touch on some of those things. But understand at the very beginning, it's God. God has created it all. In the Word of God, it says that there was nothing, and then all of a sudden there was something. Because of who? God. God created. Look in Genesis. Look at the, at the creation account as God created something out of nothing. God created everything. Secondly, in tandem with that, not, not only has God created everything, but God owns everything. Now, this, this is a little tougher sometimes for us as, as mankind to understand because we like the ownership thing, right? From a young age, a little child, a little toddler, what are some of their most favorite words? Mine. If they can see it, it's mine. 
If I can touch it, it's mine. If you have it, doesn't matter, it's mine. Right? I mean, you've seen little ones. And so as they're, as they're growing up, certainly a lot of it tends to be about them. We're, we're trying to bless and we're trying to feed and trying to take care. But as they get to that, that young age, you give them toys and they're playing with toys. And then they see another child with a toy. They go, oh, well, mommy and daddy gave me all these toys. That must be one of mine. And they start reaching for that other little boy, that other little girl's toy. I, me, my, mine. All of that is deeply a part of us, man or woman, uh, from a young age. And it's hard to understand. It's not all mine. God owns it. Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's challenging for us. God owns it. No, no, it's mine. That hill, the cattle on that hill, that's mine. Because we say, well, I've got that deeded contract and this plot of ground is me, my, mine. Psalm 50, 10 to 12 says, Every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, the insects in the fields are mine. The world is mine and all that is in it. Again, good reminders for us. Yes, God created everything, but yes, God owns it. We're the steward. We're the overseer of a portion of that. We oversee a portion of that for a season of time. God owns it. And it's the challenge for us to understand because there's several options as to how we approach this. The option one is to say, well, I own it all. Option two is, well, you know, we both kind of own some stuff. God owns a part and I own a part and, you know, we're kind of battling it out over how much. The fact of the matter, the truth of the matter is the third option. God owns it. God created it. God owns it. As we'll talk about a little bit later, you and I are to be a steward of it, but we're not there yet. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. He says, beware lest you say in your heart, those words that we often say, that often come out of your mouth, beware lest you say, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. My, my, me. Words we said, we often like to say. He says, beware of that. Be careful of that. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Let us not forget, it is God who has overseen, God who has created, God who owns, and the, the, the might and the power and the wisdom, the resource and the insight, God has blessed us. God's blessed us with the health to live, to work, to earn, but all of that is His. He's created everything. He owns everything. There's another principle for us today. Understand that the desire for wealth can be tempting. Oh, it's tempting, right? 
First Timothy chapter 6, 9 and 10 says, Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many selfless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. The desire for wealth can be very tempting. Now, notice in the Scripture, it's the love of money, not, not money itself being evil. It's the love of money. Money is amoral. It's not good. It's not bad. But it's what you do with it that is. I compare it to this, this brick. This is amoral. This brick itself is not good. This brick itself is not bad. It's what you do with it that is. For instance, I snagged this, you might have noticed, from outside, right outside the front door and, and the, uh, the little landscaping that is there. And this is used, this is the little corner piece, but this is used to build the landscaping. And, and there's some little bushes and shrubs and rocks and everything like that. It's designed to look pretty. But someone could grab this and bash it through our front door. That would not be a good thing, true? But the brick itself is not good. The brick itself is not bad. It's how this brick is used. It can be used to destroy. It can be used to build. And in a similar fashion, as we take a look at money and things that are written about it, it's the love of money that's at the root of evil. The love of money, the desire for wealth that can be so tempting. Don't you have times, and, and, and if it's hard to admit, you can just raise your hand and say, well, yeah, I know of somebody who this is the case, right? Haven't you or someone you know seen something somebody else has, and all of a sudden, you've got to have one too? Or should I say that, that friend of yours that you know has to have one? It's the case, right? There's this temptation for more and more and more temptation for stuff. Understand, it's not just the wealthy who have to worry about or struggle with perhaps an idol of money. In fact, some of the people who love money most are the people who have the least, all depends on the desire for the love of stuff. Oftentimes, the desire for wealth can be tempting. Fourthly, understand that wealth can often be temporary. You've probably seen that as the case. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, it says, Do not toil to acquire wealth, be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. And you read that and you say, doesn't that just describe my paycheck? Doesn't that just describe your bank account, right? It, it's like it sprouts wings and flies off. You've all experienced that, right? 
Sometimes it seems like wealth, our resources, our finances, the stuff we own, it's temporary. It, it doesn't always last. It's here today and gone tomorrow. How many of you remember your first paycheck or two? You're so excited about that first paycheck. And all of a sudden you're, you're asking questions. You're like, who in the world is FICA? And what are they doing taking my money? And who's this SS? I mean, all these acronyms and all these letters, all you know is you're not getting all of what you thought you were going to get. There's taxes and all these other things that come out. Then you get that paycheck, and maybe you celebrated because your first job, your first check, or maybe it's your first raise at your first job, and you know you got a quarter of an hour raise, or, or you got a, a 50 cent per hour raise, and so you went out and you spent hundreds of dollars to celebrate your 50 cents. Or you got a promotion or a, or a raise at the job, and so you spent thousands of dollars on this trip or vacation to celebrate. We've all done stuff similar to that. And we see wealth, money, finances often are temporary. Maybe you've done a, a really good job with finances and, and you try to save up and you try to invest for the future. And so you invest money into some kind of an account, some kind of savings or some kind of bonds or stocks in the stock market. And we love it when everything goes up. Anybody experienced anything in the last 5, 10, 20 years where the stock market at any point in time has gone down? And you looked, and, and whatever you had invested, you'd work you know, years to save up, and you'd set a portion away, or maybe your job or your business had, had invested a portion for you. And at one particular time, your investment was worth this. And the stock market hit. And all of a sudden, what you used to own or what used to be in that portfolio is now worth a whole lot less. These are true principles. It sprouts wings suddenly, flying like an eagle to heaven. Yeah, that describes sometimes what we have in our finances. It's often gone. It often disappears. It's often fleeting. It often doesn't stick around a long time. Remember, Jesus talked about the rich young fool in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. He said, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose then will they be? Or Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6, an earlier verse from one that we read, chapter 6, verse 7, he says, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. We, we depart this world exactly as we came into it, with nothing. What's the old proverb? You can't take it. You can't take it with you. The, the old adage, the old illustration is still true. To this day, I've not seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. As much stuff as we seek to accumulate, as much wealth or finances or stuff that we, we try to 
cram into our house, whatever we might have, at the end of time, we don't take all that stuff with us. So the wealth, the resources oftentimes are temporary. Sometimes the question is asked when someone has passed, well, well, how much did they leave behind? What's really being asked is, well, man, I wonder how much they made, or I wonder how much they had invested, or I, I wonder how much this was or that was. How much did they leave behind? The answer is everything. They left it all behind. So here's the thing. This overarching thought is this. If God has created everything, and he has, and God owns everything because he does, and if that temptation or that desire for wealth is often so tempting to us because it is, and if wealth is often temporary and it flies away because many times it does, then what should be our response. In light of all of those things, how should we live? Our response is this, to be a steward, not an owner. Because God owns it. We are to steward it. We are to be a steward. We are to oversee or manage the resources of what God has and what he's entrusted to us for a time. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it's required that those who have been given a trust prove faithful. Those who have been given trust, those who have been blessed with or given something, they're to be found faithful in that. We're to be a steward, not an owner. Stewardship matters. A trustee, a steward, an overseer manages the affairs but does not own. The steward has responsibilities. Responsibilities are to care for what belongs to someone else. Maybe you've watched somebody else's kids. Maybe you've watched someone else's cat or dog and you were to oversee it for them. Uh, we're, we're thankful that our doggy shadow has some grandparents who love them and live right across the street. So when we take some trips or when we are gone, we are blessed that say, they say, yes, we will watch shadow. Do they own shadow? They don't. But they are overseeing. They are stewarding him. They're trying to take care of him for us for a time. You and I are stewards. God has entrusted, God has blessed you and I with stuff. The jobs, the health, the, the resources. We don't necessarily all have all the same stuff. But he's entrusted certain things to us. And we're overseeing it. For a time. You see, when we remember that what we have truly is God's, it kind of changes our perspective on things. You ever borrowed somebody's vehicle and then you're a little nervous to drive, uh, drive it? 
I think the, the first time I remember borrowing a vehicle, I was in school, I was in CBC. I don't remember the details, if I had a flat tire, if my car wouldn't start, if I was out of gas. Something happened. I, I either had to get to work or I had to get to church. That's the two places I went, work and church. I remember kind of frantically trying to find somebody on my floor who wasn't going anywhere who would let me borrow their vehicle. Pretty sure it was church because I, church was farther. And they let me borrow their, I think it was a 1985 Pontiac Grand Am. And so I drove that. Now, when I borrowed that vehicle, I, I didn't find, you know, the largest Mountain Dew that I could and, you know, sit it sloppily in between my legs where it would just fall and spill out all over the floor. I didn't go through drive through where I'd be spilling fries all over the place. I'm driving the vehicle. I'm thankful that this friend of mine let me borrow the vehicle so I could get where I needed to go. And so I'm taking care of this vehicle. I'm not speeding. I'm not, you know, driving crazily to get in an accident. I am taking care of this vehicle. Why? It wasn't mine. If we can get into that kind of mentality to understand all that we have, all that we have been blessed with, it comes from God. It will help us in our perspective. Helps to cultivate that steward, that overseer's mindset. Rather than the me, my, mine of everything, it's, God, I'm thankful for this what you've blessed me with, whatever that might be. And that looks different for everybody. But God, how you've blessed me and what you've blessed me with, I'm overseeing it and I'm utilizing it for your honor and for your glory as you've given it to me to oversee for a time. God's blessed us with health and finances, jobs, time, talents, gifts, abilities, skills, all of that stuff, we have those things because of him. We are blessed because of him. So we are to be a steward and not an owner. He expects and he desires that we would utilize those things, use those things for his honor and for his glory. So the question is, in light of that, how would God encourage us to oversee those things? How would God encourage us to direct and oversee the finances he's blessed us with, the talents, the time that he's given to us? And that becomes a challenge. Because with some individuals, in some cases, some individuals are very readily willing to oversee finances and to allow God to use those finances for his honor and glory, but they're a little more hesitant to use time and giftings and abilities. On the flip side, some are very willing that God would utilize their skills and their talents and their giftings and their abilities for the Lord, uh, but not the finances, because the finances are mine. See, when we understand that all that we have comes from the Lord, we're then willing and ready to oversee what he's given us. Our time, 
God, I'm, I'm going to steward and use my time for you. My, my skills, my gifts, my abilities, God, you've blessed me with that. You've given me some interests and, and some things that I've been trained or equipped on or some things that you've gifted me to do. God, I'm going to utilize that for your honor and glory. Finances and blessings, God, you've blessed and given that to me as well. It's God who has done those things. Now, what we also see in Scripture, as we are called to be a steward, as we're called to be an overseer of those things, is that God does hold us accountable to that. Look at the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Three different uh, servants that the owner gave talents to, five, two, and one. So every one of those servants got something. It was a differing amount. But they were called upon to use those talents for the master. The master went away and came back, and the one who said, hey, you gave me five, I put it to good use, and I made five more, so here's ten. The five you originally gave and the five that I earned. The next one came and says, well, yeah, you gave me two. I didn't have the five that he did. You gave me two, and I put it to good use, and I made two more, so here's four, two plus two. The other one said, well... I know you're kind of a tough guy and all. You only gave me one, and I didn't really want to use it because I didn't want to lose it. So I buried it. But I, I don't have zero for you. I still got your one. Here's your one. He was displeased with that. Ultimately, the one who did nothing was the one that was inexcusable. He desires that, hey, I've blessed you with something. Go do something with it. Be a steward. Don't just own. Don't just sit. Use. Steward. Oversee all that I have blessed you with. When we're wise and faithful overseers or stewards, that is pleasing and honoring to him. How are we to function in light of this, this overarching theme this morning? We're to be a steward, not an owner. So the question is, what are you and I doing with what God has given us?